So I'll just give my... Hi, everybody. This is Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic, and it looks like we're just going to keep right on rolling. Unfortunately, the number of cases are going up instead of down, and we're heading into winter. The good news is that means probably you'll be able to watch more of these webinars live because we, I might even try to start doing some more in the evening when it gets dark. But in the meantime, we're still at one o'clock today. Thank you all for joining us. And thank you, Tina, for being my guest today. So welcome. Yes, thank you, Wendy. Yeah. So Tina, um, to be honest, I really don't know very much about you. We got an email and I sent it to Alex, who's my assistant now, and she's helping me get the Zoom meeting set up. So I um, have time to do some other things. So she's really been the one that to interact with you. So I'd love you to just kind of give us some your background and, um, and a little bit about who you are. Sure. Well, I'm a woman from Denmark. That's one way <laughs> to start. And I've been a horse lover, horse lover all my life. And um, six years ago, this wonderful Icelandic gelding entered my life. I became a horse owner for the second time. And it's turned out that he, um, he really needed me to know something about feet and fast. <laughs> so. So I've, um, he's, he'd been uh, well cared for when I got him, but um, in Denmark, some Icelandic tend to have longer periods between uh, trims and farrier work. So he's, he's, he had long toes. And I was just looking at this and wondering and thinking what to do. And so I, I de-shot him and then I thought I, I might be able to talk to someone who knew something about this. So I called for both a farrier and a trimmer, but they left him sore. Mm. And I wondered about that and thought that can't be right just because he hasn't got uh, shoes on, he shouldn't be sore. So, so this actually led me to um, search for more info. And I found my now late mentor, unfortunately, um, Maureen Gianni and she took me in and I learned from her and I then I began to actually trim him myself while also being uh, um, educated by her and this really 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 made a big difference and has ever since and then people around me started to ask me what I was doing that was working so well so I started sharing and I started helping other horse owners as well so this really, it was not like mm -hmm, I'm somebody who wanted to be a trimmer. <laughs> it's more like this found me and I, I sort of, I became enchanted by it. I really think it's amazing what hooves can do and what we can do to help our horses. So this is, you know, your story's not unfamiliar, which, no. Uh, you know, it's good and bad. I mean, it's good in that we're taking ownership for our horses. And I mean, I've been trimming my own horses. Well, I can't even, it's probably 10 years now because I was trimming when I had Andy and he's passed. So I can't even remember. Now I do three horses with very yes. different feet. But the yes. number of people that I've talked to where, you know, they didn't start out to do this intentionally. It was no. just that they couldn't find a good solution for their horse. And it was just an outgrowth of trying to solve a problem. Um, but you know, I, what, I, what I take away from your story and from my story is that you know, mo many of us are actually capable, if we only have one horse especially, I have the three and Al has very, he's got size six, six inch feet. So I can't do all four feet in a day. But, 
um, you know, many of us wind up in this position where we start to learn and take some ownership in our horse's feet because we can't find somebody to do the job we want. But yes. you know, the, the good news is that we can. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that's really a lot of what, if I'm right, what your webinar is about today is things for owners to look for. In their yes, yes, Great. it really is. And I would like before I begin my presentation, because I've prepared some slides because I promised that I would, uh, this would be with uh, some photos also and some easy to understand explanations. So not too nerdy today, <laughs> but more like how to, but I'll just, uh, Wendy, I'm just looking for how to share with you guys. Okay, so um, at the bottom of the Zoom screen, it should say share screen. It does, yes. And then I have a, a window that says uh, only host. Um, um, I've, yeah. I've made you co-host, so it yeah. should be okay. Okay. Um, let me just check. Hang on. I'm just going to check. Yeah, no, you're co-host. So yes. you're, you should be all set to be able to share yeah. that screen. Yeah. Here it comes. Great. Perfect. There we go. Oh, there we go. So, so this is, uh, I, I want to add that what, what sparked me to, uh, to connect with you, Wendy, and thank you so much for inviting me again, if I haven't said it. It's, uh, it, was, it really was a question that came uh, during one of um, Dr. Bauke's um, presentations. Uh, someone asked, uh, is there a way to know how to do a bevel in three steps? And I was like, there is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know what came over me. I think I'm going to write about this. So thank you. So, but but what this really is, it's it's uh, what to look for. Those five signs to look for. And those of you who are familiar with Dr. Barker's work and also with Nick Barker's brilliant and excellent work with rehab in UK, you will find that the principles I'm talking about here are similar. So it's really I'm leaning into uh, their body of work in the sense that I'm just more into what to look for, how to look for it, what to do if you haven't got it, uh, more in, in that sense. Um, and also my intention is to cover these five signs and also these four principles uh, with footage to, to ensure um, an understanding perhaps and also make them as accessible as possible. So this is my intention for you all. So let's get started. So Okay, and this is me, and I've already said a little bit about it. I'm also a professional teacher and lecturer, so it's my what I do in my daily work. What and do you I'm teach? Passionate. Well, I teach math actually, also, and I'm a con. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> no, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, the the nerdy stuff stays with me, and I'm I I like to understand how things work as well. So it's it's. I, I think there's something about those hooves that just can't leave me, right? Well, and so, there is a math to them. I mean, that's one of the things that yeah. David Bicking kind of looks at is uh, from yeah. a, a mathematical perspective also. So it's great. Yeah. And, and also, so, so this is, and this company I run, actually it's, it really is part-time because I'm dividing my time be, between several arenas. It's, uh, it really came about because people were asking me to help them. So it, I'm, I'm doing that with, with some horse owners that I've been fortunate enough to uh, get to know through this work. So, yeah. So this is again, this is what I was um, aiming at here to, to really uh, achieve truly healthy feet for your horse. 
and also show that it's possible to do with, uh, within, a, within a low maintenance regime. And I think um, if you look up on the internet, you will find lots and lots and lots of sites addressing hoof pathology. And there really is a way to understand the hoof that you can leave that arena for good and stay in the sweet spot. So that's, I think it's uh, important to get out there as well. And then we have the four, I call them the four powerful principles of hoof guided care because they really is a way to work with the hoof and with the horse in this um, where it's, it's like getting a second wind and you end up doing less. So let's look into it. So, yeah, well, this, here he is. <laughs> Horses are poetry in motion, right? So, so this is, let's not forget about why, why this is important because uh, the hoof for the horse is a way to move correctly. It's a way to, to survive essentially. So, so we, and we want to have our horses around for as long as possible. So that's why I think this is important, important to know about and look into. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to start um, how we look at this by looking at the way the conditions for our feral horses. Um, and we can see here that, of course, they are, they are um, um, under the conditions of the climate and the landscape that they are living in. But also um, what, what makes a functional and strong hoof that's, that really is the diet together with the movement and the terrain. So it's, and if I flip here to the next slide, we can see that the terrain and our hoof care or farrier's work really is uh, in the same part of this model. And it's because in the wild, the hoof does all the trimming. So, so we really need to understand that this is, uh, this is what the hoof is made for. This is what it, it's made for. And of course we can't, uh, with the management we have around our horses, we can't uh, leave everything up to the hoof, but we or to the ground. But we need to understand um, what happens when the hoof meets the ground, and that really is two phases essentially. It's the heels um, being compressed uh, by the weight of the horse um, and towards the ground, and then we have the toe, uh, which is designed to to um, have all the excessive wear. And we need to understand that when we look at the hoof as well. So of course, all of these three areas need to, need to work together. And that's what creates the functional and strong uh, hoof for the horse. And that's also the case when we look at our domestic horses. Um, what's changed there is that it's the horse owner's choices that really is the frame around these areas. So everything we choose for our horses um, has some sort of effect on whether it's possible for our horse to, to have really healthy and functional feet. And fortunate for us, it's, um, it is possible to make, to find the sweet spot in different kinds of management. So it, this is not to, to uh, you mustn't think, oh, I need to have a perfect type of this and a perfect type of that to make this work. But you need to be specific about minerals. And this is where I really think that Nick Barker is uh, a go-to expert in that. And 
we also need to think about movement and what what ground we uh, we allow our horses to move over and then again we have to have some sort of hoof care or involve in some sort of trimming or various work to to have this work as well but it's i, I believe it's a big responsibility but it, because we can see in nature it it works out mostly uh, and for us it's it really is about our choices so that's just to put it in into that frame and then of course um when we're looking at hooves, I think it's very important, important to stress that the dynamic functionality of it is really what matters. Um, we, uh, we tend to as humans to have ideas about what is a perfect hoof, what does it look like, what do I need to do to get there. Um, but let's look at the signs first before we get into our preconceived ideas. And I want to, I want to say, Wendy, that I know you're looking for if anyone has questions and I can be interrupted at any point of time. <laughs> okay. Yep. So, so here we have it. Um, the hoof really is its own master, but it's also a servant of the horse. So it, it, um, it's very imperative that it works all the time for our horses. So what I'm going to get into now is, um, is the five signs. Okay. So the first one we have to have that's heel first landing and nothing works without it. Because when we have heel first landing, we have of course optimal shock absorption and we have protection of joints and ligaments. And we also ensures the correct blood flow through the tissues of the hoof. Um, so this is, uh, and this is if, if our horse, if we want to know if our horse has it, then uh, it's very easy today to just do a slow-mo. And I recommend to do that regularly because things change and we can't always know. And um, I know we can get x-rays as well, but this is really, um, this is really important to know how, how does my horse move. So well, and this is something, any, anybody with a smartphone now, right? Yes. And just exactly and have anybody lead their horse. I've actually filmed my horses while I'm leading them. Um, and it can I, be done. It can, can be done. done. <laughs> it's a little bit more complicated, but it can be done. And it so, can. Um, you know, it's something really fun to play with and then go back and look at your video because you're always going to see more on the video because you can stop it and slow it down. Yes. Slow it down more than what the, like here, you've got a lovely still shot of what I think was the, not the previous video, but a video about the same time. Yes, exactly. So this is what we're talking about. The heels need to meet the ground first. That's it. And, and if, if that's not what you're seeing in, in your take of your horse, then of course, again, we're looking into several reasons why. Um, laminitis is one, but it doesn't have to be that. Um, caudal hoof pain or frog infection uh, actually it's also a common cause if uh, if your horse doesn't want to land you first or mineral imbalances um, magnesium is one for sure but but others as well so this is where to where to get curious not to get shocked but more to get curious hmm there's something I need to look at here so that's that's really it but we need to have it, mm, really. So that's why this is sign number one. 
Okay. So moving on to our sign number two, medial lateral balance is always dynamic. So when we are looking at it, we want um, both heels to address or to meet the ground at the same time. So, um, so, just, yeah. so we're talking about side to side, that yeah. the, the, the foot should land so that the two sides of the foot are coming down basically at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. And this is, um, when we look at the heels, if this, these, my hands now are the two sides, it's of course, it's also designed, if you watch in the video, I'm going to play for you in just a short while. If you watch the left hand, you can see some of the last steps this horse takes. Uh, it actually moves over uh, irregular ground. So we can see how the heels can also adjust if it lands on something uneven, that's pretty smart. So that's of course something the hoof can do as well. But this also takes pressure off the surfaces of the joints. And um, yeah, so let's just look at the take of this lovely lady uh, who is, she actually began landing toe first severely. So she's come a long way here and um, I think it's the next step that we get from from the left hind. We can see that it's ooh, boom. It's yeah. sort of yeah. So this is, is what's important here is to understand that that when we look at medial lateral balance, it's not something we look at when we hold the hoof in our hands, because. Um, the hoof is able to adjust to the specific leg it's it's supposed to serve in many many ways so so it's very very important that we don't look at the heel area we don't look at the the form to say oh this should be lesser here or higher here it's very very important because the only way we can know if we have it is to again look at it in this way and see do we have it or not and, and you know yeah. i I can remember a long time ago being with Dr. Clayton and she was actually talking about how when you really slow, when you do super slow motion, there is actually a very slight lateral medial yeah. movement to the foot. And that is also true in people. We don't land perfectly flat. We land no. outside. The side. So no. the question is, is it, if it's really visible, like here when we're watching this horse and it's really, yeah. Can you replay the video again? Somebody's asking, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a question of, if something is really standing out and screaming at you, then it really is more than it should be because mm -hmm. that level of lateral medial, it's not something that you would normally see with your eye. Um, no. With our cameras now, you might see it, but that, and so I just want to make that distinction between Absolutely. abnormal and normal. Absolutely. And thank you for making that, uh, Wendy, because there are, of course, many, many nuances to this. But it's a way to see, I really would say this is, again, in line of sign number one, as I call it, we really need to see that we don't have a severe toe first landing. And that can be, for an untrained eye, that can be difficult to see. Can you play the video one more time now that I'm not talking and I'm really going to watch? Yeah, <laughs> of course. That's what it's for. And I, I put this here because this is far from perfect in any ways. And this is really, it's like this horse is landing differently with all four feet. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said about that. And the owner has also looked into body work as well 
to see what can be done there. And um, but she was she was landing severely too first um, when we first started her process here. Yeah, and, and I think you bring up a good point that it's a process. Yeah. Um, and it really so is. You're going to make a little change and then you've got to kind of give the hoof time to to uh, you know process that piece of information yeah. that change and then look at it again um, rather than yes. trying to do everything all at once yep so that's very important to understand as well because when when i'm talking about these signs it's it really is oh mm -hmm. do we Isn't have it or don't we <laughs> yeah so it's it's getting curious about it and it's really when we're talking about medial lateral balance it's not something we are supposed to fix directly it i i think it's uh, it could be well maybe something it's something the hoof will adjust and fix over time or maybe we need to look into body work um maybe we need to adjust the the feet or the mineral balance there are lots of of um, areas we can look into so it really is one small thing at a time and be curious about it. Well, and, and it's why I like your, that you're talking about signs because it, uh, we're not trying to diagnose anything here. No. We're just getting clues. <laughs> I think of signs yes. as clues and what, what is the clues. story that this horse is trying to tell me as opposed to making a definitive decision based on one of these. Exactly. Oh, I love how you get this. <laughs> 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 Thank you. And clarified as well. I know. So this is, um, so the point here also, if, if your horse hasn't got it, it really is a, a matter of, um, if it be, we're talking about toe first landing, you shouldn't put your, your, your horse in a, a stall or anything. You just need to think about supporting, supporting surfaces and also anything that stimulates healthy growth, which will be to maybe leave the feet alone just for a while and see what happens um, and simply also give the, the foot time to heal from the inside out. And I should say that when I talk about uh, foot or feet, I mean actually the inner parts and the hoof that would be the outer parts, the outer visible parts. So they are really always talking to each other. Mm -hmm. So moving into my favorite sign, number three, well-developed heel buttresses <laughs> and i put this put this lovely cathedral in here because uh, and and i hopefully i hope you can see all the blue dots mm -hmm. uh, on the building these are called buttresses so the area on the hoof on in the photo on the right that's the heel buttress it's the triangular part where the hoof wall is sort of going getting into becoming bars as well so it really is that uh, last part of the hoof wall and the reason why i put the cathedral here is that um all this uh on this building we can see that there are some some outer outer they put some outer bricks here and this that really is to support the building and um it's the same function that the heel buttresses has for our horses. So it's so it's it's we can imagine what happened if if we in modern times decided that we don't want buttresses on cathedrals, so we just cut them off, take them down. Then we don't have a building anymore. 
So that's why this, this area, this part of the hoof is really, really important because it it's, uh, gives room for the internal shock absorbing is, uh, tissues and um, it is able to it is able to place itself correctly uh, on the horse it's, it belongs to and when i say place itself itself correctly i mean both talking width and height and also um, where exactly it's placed um, concerning in relation to the leg so i really like to think about our horses as a biological cathedral and the buttresses they really are what raise they are what raise the cathedral from the ground so so this is why this is a sign number three and when we we talk about well-developed heel buttresses it's more like how do I know if my horse has a well-developed heel buttress? Well, we must remember that the hoof grows intentionally. So that, that means that height and width and um, length of the buttresses are customized according to the conformation and the angles and the landing patterns of the leg it belongs to. So this is really for us to be very careful what we do in that area. Yeah. So I don't know if that leads to any questions or. Well, it, I, we don't have anybody putting in a, up any questions, but you know, like when you see that long toe, you're going to see this whole foot as Bob Belker talks about conveyor belt forward. And so your, your heel buttresses are actually going to move forward. And so everything's going to just kind of ski slope out. Yeah. And that's mainly because of the, that would be because of you're talking about long toe, that would be the toe, toe is the culprit here. It draws everything forward if it's too forward. So that's really the area to address mainly because here we can talk about the, the heels being innocent victims of a long toe if we, we've got a forward toe. So, but it's just to say that it really holds um, the sacred, the sacred um, shock absorbing tissues and it really supports the lateral cartilage uh, as, as well. So I think I have, I think in the next slide, yes, let's look at and that. We do have a question that yeah. as your horse comes heel first, what if your horse is forging? What if he's hitting his front feet with his back feet? Ah, yes, my horse did that. And that's caused by, or a, you know, a potentially caused by, um, at that time, um, it was mainly caused by, um, I think, two main areas for, I'm talking about my horse now. <clears throat> it was caused by, because he did it in, sh in shoes because, before I de-shirt him. And that's actually what made me wonder what's going on here. And he stopped doing it after maybe within a year. Uh, out of shoes and having a better balance in his feet. So he had long toes, uh, especially in his front feet, very long toes. So that means that when we've got the long toe, we've got um, the breakover point um, is more forward. And it also means that the horse needs to lift more to sort of hit, um, to get his feet with him. 
So it's it's like uh, if, if we put on clown shoes, we have to, so <laughs> it's just like <laughs> we have to do like <laughs> this to lift our feet. So it's a bit the same. So he really couldn't get his front feet out of the way fast enough. And this was because he was uh, younger at that time, he was six years. So he was also in the process of developing his top line. So it was sh shorter when we started. So as he gained a nicer top line, this uh, issue simply disappeared. Yeah, yeah. and you know, what, what you have to think about when you have a horse that's, that's forging or interfering like that is mm -hmm. that there's a delay in the front end for some reason. Mm -hmm. There can be um, other causes like um, shoulder pain, Mm -hmm. Right, um, poor fitting saddle, um, habitual patterns, hollow, yeah. um, previously Definitely. long toes that hasn't changed that pattern. So, um, you know, it's it's not there's not necessarily a single answer to that. But mm -hmm. looking at the whole uh, biomechanical function of the horse, whether or not he uses his back very well, that kind of thing, whether uh, that's going to play into that. Mm -hmm. Definitely, Wendy, and I want to say here that when I'm I, it really, it really is important for me to say that I'm not someone who says, "Oh, we just fix the long toe and then all is well." It's, it really is looking at the whole horse, of course. So this is kind of funny. So we now we are looking into the world of the hoof, but we need to yeah. uh, also address the bigger picture, of course. So there could be lots of lots of reason for that. So like you're saying, check body work check the trimming, check the way your horse is moving, using his top line, everything is relevant. And that is a place where Surefoot can be really, really helpful mm -hmm. uh, because it does address the habits of the horse and give them new information. So that's just another yes. suggestion that people can yes. use. That would be, I think, perhaps even, I, I'm guessing here because I haven't had the chance to use Surefoot yet, uh, but, but, I think, but I think that will uh, equals a, kind of a shortcut you short circuit yeah. the, the nerves and their habitual or the habits, and then the horse, the horse's system will be able to do something new. Yeah, and that's that is what we're seeing. In fact, Ida Hammer does she videos the horses bef, bef, before she puts them on the surefoot pads and then afters and shows immediate changes in movement. So it's really cool. So we'll have mm -hmm. to make sure that we get to play with them. Yeah. We have people in Denmark. Um, somebody's somebody's saying that um She's learning a lot to recognize long toe and thrush, but the struct and the structure of the frog. But getting into these horny structures, that you know, like looking at the heel buttress. Do you have some other pictures of heel buttresses? Yeah. Oh, great! Mm -hmm. I do. Coming up, <laughs> we're, we're coming down the line when we get into the four principles. So, okay. do, we, do you want me to move faster? I can do that. <laughs> no, it's okay. Just that question came up. As long as you got yeah. great. Right. Well, but I agree we'll, with that. I, I know, you know, I get the long toe. I know what I'm looking for in terms of the frog and that sort of thing. But there, but I agree with her that the back of the foot here, where, what am exactly am I looking for? Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's, uh, yes, there will be photos of that as well. So here we can see um, this is uh, the same foot. There are, um, I think, a couple of years between them. But this is the first one on the left is actually um, this is from uh, my own horse and why I wanted to show this is that we can clearly see how underdeveloped his uh, lateral cartilage uh, is and that's what I pointed out here with the black line mm -hmm. and the red lines is uh, really to show how much more 
um, how bigger, how much bigger they are when we're coming down the line. And he's had some um, some more stimulus on his feet. So this is to illustrate that my point here, or the the metaphor I'm using with the cathedral, that um, the area and the hoof capsule between the red lines that really is um, sort of the buttress and just a little part of the hoof capsule. And you can see here because his front feet, this is a front foot, because they are kind of more steep in their angles. So his, his um, we can see that mirrored in the shape of his hoof capsule as well. Um, but I hope what this, uh, this conveys is that what I've shown with the black line is that that really turns it into a beautiful arch when uh, when the lateral cartilage is well developed and I see that all the time that horses that they have nice feet but they they get even better when we allow this back this area of the foot um, the buttresses to develop uh, in the direction that they want to and I'm talking about want to here because nature has intention. So, so this, um, so this is to illustrate this. So we've got on the left side weak lateral cartilage, and we've got on the the right side photo a strong lateral cartilage. Um, so, yeah. So I think I think, but but I've got uh, some more photos in here, some more footage too, um, concerning this question: what to look for. But really, the best sign uh, we're looking into what is a, a well-developed uh, heel buttress that would be that we've got the heel first landing and we've got a nice medial lateral balance. So it um, that really is a sign a clue that we have got it as well. Yeah. And the thing to understand about this area, do you see my my cursor here as well? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Is that the point taken here is that there really is no way for us to say how tall or how low should this be? Because it depends. It depends on the move movement the horse is making, how the conformation, the angles of the leg, um, also the ground, the horse is moving over mostly. So this area is as equally adjustable as the rest of the hoof capsule. It really is. And I've got some amazing footage later to show you how the, how the foot will adjust um, from very what we will call almost distorted high heels to a lower heel and a short toe. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that would be raising the bionic cathedral. Mm -hmm. so, um, somebody's asking, is there a relation with the lateral line in the hoof? Sorry, don't know the English word. Uh, is there a relation with the lateral line in the hoof? I'm not sure I understand the question. Do you understand the question? The lateral line. Um, are we talking about these photos here, the, the red yeah, lines? Yeah, that's the... when it came, the question came up. Maybe Tina yeah. can, can um, it's Tina Dittmar, maybe, uh, oh, in, in French it's S-E-I-M-E. Uh, hang on, I'll have to translate Ooh. that. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I'll work on that. You keep going and I'll see if I can come okay. up with the answer. Yeah, <laughs> yes. 
Okay, so this is uh, this uh, these photos here are put because I wanted to show how um, if, um, the hoof is able to adjust the heel height as well as the sole um, in in one go. It's actually you can see here five months between the photos on the right and the photos on the left. So what we're looking at here, the, it's photos of front feet and the yellow area, uh, the, the yellow arrows, they are showing the height of the heel buttress. And it's of course the same uh, hoof we're looking at, but with five months in between. So, and the, and the green lines, they show sort of the direction of, of the sole, what, in what direction is it pointing. So I'm thinking about the sole here as a, like, a, do you have a, um, a tilting mirror? It's like something that can move. And of course, it, this doesn't uh, happen overnight, but I think it's amazing to see here how this, this uh, horse has actually um, cupped up his sole and also, also lowered his heels. And what's interesting here is, uh, and I know for sure because I was attending this, that these um, these buttresses have not been have not been touched by a rasp in this period of time. So this is something that the hoof capsule um, has done to to move um, the heel buttress more under the horse, more back, and also lower them. And we can see that the sole is also more like a cup instead of flat. So this is, uh, this is just to, to an example of how every part of the hoof is able to move in relation to other parts, depending what, on what's functional. So I'm a little confused mm -hmm. when you say lowered because the yellow arrows on the left are closer together. And then yes, that's, that's, the, that's five months down the road, right? So we, we look at the right so photo. So the right photo is the before and the left photo. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Oh, yeah. I had it backwards in my head. No wonder. Yeah, yeah. that's because I put them like that. It's, it's, it's against the, <laughs> the reading. Yeah. yeah, sorry. But that's that would be from July. The right photos would be from July. And then we move uh, five months okay. down the As road. And the other way around. All yeah. right, got it. Mm -hmm. That helps a lot. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Okay. A yeah. simple fix to that slide is just put an arrow between July and December going right left. And then it would yeah. just as yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. So let's move into sign number four. That would be a robust frog. And um, these two photos here, left, that's left would be before and right would be after, and it's the same foot. So it's, I think it's uh, quite um, illustrative to see the way these structures strengthen with stimulus. And this is also a foot that hasn't uh, been touched uh, in the heel area, only in the toe. Um, and the thing about the frog is that um, it, of course, it needs uh, stimulus and it also needs, when I say meticulous care, it depends, of course, 
I've uh, met horses with frogs that seem to withstand anything <laughs> and nobody has to do anything about it. And um, I also, I've also seen frogs that needed uh, a lot of care to stay sound and that's just, they're getting infected and they need some help. Um, but uh, if you're, if, if it gets a lot of stimulus, then it will widen and it will toughen up and it will be, uh, so the thing to look for here would be that it, it should feel like rubber, that um, firm rubber, and it shouldn't be soft, uh, too soft anyway, so it's uh, or mushy. And, um, and also we want to see if we look at the central sulcus here, we can see in the first photo that it's somewhat, this uh, hoof is somewhat contracted. And then we've got, um, we can see, especially in the frog, that we can see that it's widened and opened up. And this, is, this also mirrors the, the inner shock absorbing uh, tissues. So when we've got a strong solid frog, we usually have something going on above it, which would be um, which would be the tissues that are shock absorbing inside the hoof capsule. Uh, they would be equally sound or tough as well. So this is sort of when we look at this sign, we we need to say, hmm, how how does the frog look in my horse's Good. And is it is it strong? Does it does it um, fill out uh, most of the weight bearing surface? Can you take your pointer and outline the heel buttresses in these two? Yes, pictures? of course. Yeah. So we've got. And it's the same hoof, right? Yeah, it is. So we can see that this area would be the heel buttress. It's kind. Of, it's it's triangular. It's a like a, a corner, and then we've got. So actually, if we look at the height, that would be if we look from down from uh, from behind. It's the, mostly the same. So the height hasn't changed a lot. A lot. What has changed is the width. When we look at oh, sorry, <laughs> oh, boom. So when we look at the width here, it's it's wider. It's also the the bars are shorter like this so they are a little bit longer here and we can see that the whole uh, hoof here is kind of more oval and this is more round it's shorter and rounder and if we look at when i'm talking about weight weight bearing surface that would be this area i'm encircling here that will be where the hoof lands so that will be the the landing area is this a front foot or a back foot? This is a back foot. Okay. And it's the same foot. Yeah. People have asked mm -hmm. that. Um, mm -hmm. And when you talk about stimulus, or, do you mean exercise? Yes. I mean exercise. On different footage and, um, of course, on different grounds. And also, um, this... Uh, also surfaces that the horse is comfortable moving on. And that would be uh, in the beginning, if it's uh, like this foot on the left, that is uh, a newly de-shot. So that would be a, a bit more, usually a bit more tender because it needs to get everything working. So um, 
How long, I, how long do, between the two pictures? Uh, I think about, mm, again, about four or five months. So this was really, he was really, he grew amazing feet within no amount of time. So that's, but he was, this uh, horse was also moving um, on different surface, uh, hard as well as softer. So that really sort of massaged <laughs> the foot yeah. in, a, in a great way. So when we're talking about, when we're talking about the weight bearing surface, that would be actually all these structures, the sole and the, um, here at the junction between the sole and the, the hoof wall, and also of course the, the frog. So everything is working together. And we can see in, in that area that the frog is taking up a much larger portion percent wise than over here. Where and of course, you know, Dr. Bowker talks about the dirt plug that, you know, when yes. horses are moving over different surfaces, <laughs> it's not necessarily going to look like this. It may have a nice solid, I have great pictures of dirt plugs. Yes, <laughs> I have one. I have one too in here somewhere as okay. well. So it's um, really, was this yeah. horse ridden during this process of going from shod to barefoot? Yes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you know, that's, it can vary a lot. Yeah. So it it's really hard to say that any, any one horse is going to take four to five months. It could be less. It could be more. It, it, there's mm -hmm. a lot of factors involved. There are. And, and really, I think now this is because this is really not about barefoot or short horses. I think, um, I think what, what I've come to see is that what's important is that we changed our practice around feet a lot during the past maybe 50 years. At one time, um, horsemen and horsewomen knew that if they needed for some reason to have their horse in shoes for a period of time, they knew they had to give the feet a break and they had that every year. So, but what happens now is that we put shoes on, on undeveloped young horses feet and that means before they are five years old. And so they, are, they don't have the time uh, and the stimulus to, to be well, well developed before we do something else with them. And I've met horses that, that hadn't got a single, single day without shoes and, and they are perhaps 15. And that's where we see problems because we don't give, give the, the hooves time to, to sort of um, regenerate. Yeah. So that's so that really is something to to think about that if you can give your horse a, a period of time without shoes uh, every year one month perhaps two uh, during vacation or that will be a, a great gift for your horse. Yeah. So this is really not about whether to shot or to to have your horse barefoot, but to know what to do and what not to do to keep the the feet sound all all of its life. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So mm, yep. uh, now the soul. Um, concave or not, that is the question because what, how do we know if the, there's, there's been a lot of talk about the thin souls and what, how do we know if it's one or the other? Uh, it's of course uh, important for the horse to have a, <clears throat> a rather thick soul and um, one of the signs actually is the depth of the collateral groove. Again, we are, we are back to this area, which really is central in 
the way it, it makes room for not only the shock absorbing tissues, the little cartilage, the digital cushion that's above the frog, but also it makes room for the sole to be the thickness it wants to be. So, and what's important to remember is that the sole is self-maintaining. We don't really need to help it with anything. Um, and what's interesting about this part of the hoof is that it adjusts its thickness based on season, surface, and also internal needs. So I've had some uh, photos when I'm just going to get to them to show you what, what this can look like. Um, and when we're talking about thin, thin soles, it usually um, uh, comes from um, a toe that's run forward because it stretches all, all the structures in the hoof and including the, the sole as well. Um, but it's, I, I wish I could say that it's that, that simple that if you have a concave uh, sole, then all is well, or if it's flat, then there's something wrong. It's, it's, not, it's not as um, clear cut as that. Because what I've seen is that um, uh, season and the ground will, will also influence this. Uh, usually, yeah, and then Mark, we've had we had a couple of really dry summers, and what I've seen is that the horses will thicken their sole and they will look flatter, but that's because they've filled them out; they've become thick. And when we get into uh, a more wet season here around the fall, they'll just <clears throat> they'll just exfoliate it, and they will have a, a deeper cut again. So that's one. That's one example. So let's look what look at what that might. Yeah. So this is uh, this is um, a foot that's uh, been in uh, working on a dry area uh, for a couple of months. So it really the it's not so um, easy to see here, but the sole is really kind of flat. And what happens here is that now it's uh, um, shedding the sole in chunks. And you can see it's, it's literally that I can just pull it off with my finger. Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, that's uh, but not all horses do that. It depends. But it, um, it can look like this. And we can see here in the middle photo that, that uh, the frog here is shedding the, the top layer as well. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that happens uh, like with hair coat change or is it just, I mean, in other words, you know, they change their coats twice a year. Do they change yeah. to their frog twice a year or is there any? No, for the frog, it's, it's usually uh, more often than that. It also depends on, uh, on where, so how, much, uh, how much mileage the horse is doing, um, how much uh, the cells are, are regenerating themselves. So it's, it's, and this with the soul, I think there's always go, something going on there. It's always growing and it's always, um, but this is, of course, this is extreme. Now it's getting rid of big chunks, but, but usually it happens gradually over time that it's just shedding the top layer and new cells come from. Okay, from so we have a couple of questions. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. One is that, is there, a, is there a good way to strengthen a thin sole on a, like a thoroughbred that's prone to abscess? 
Yeah. Um, well, uh, it, again, we have to look into many factors. It will be, uh, of course, the general hoof balance, uh, looking to if uh, maybe the, again, a long toe. And when we talk about abscess, we, we have to look into um, mineral balance as well. Um, the, the abscesses can they can be caused by in, uh, internal factors as, uh, from from uh, lack of minerals or diet, um, but it they can also come from. I've seen them in laminitis laminitic horses uh, when they're in the process of growing a stronger uh, connection. Then the hoof cas capsule is sort of more loose. So it's, it puts pressure on the inner structures and then they, they have mini abscesses as well because of that. So it really, mm, the sole that's, that's really, it's built from inside. So we have to check that we've got um, um, magnesium is, is, a, is a important, zinc is important as well. Um, so that, I would look into that to make sure that my horse is getting that. Um, and also, when we talk about the soul, it's again, it thrives on stimulus, but it has to be on a ground that the horse is uh, comfortable on. So something that fills out the hoof from underneath is, is massaging everything. So it, when it's filled out and it, it's possible to make these dirt plugs. We'll see an example of that later. Um, that's also helpful. So we, ha we have a yeah. question about this particular hoof. People are noticing that the central sulcus is quite deep. Um, mm -hmm. And they're wondering mm -hmm. if there might be thrush present in his foot. Um, mm -hmm. uh, well, it's, it's, uh, I, it's actually not, it's, uh, but I, it, it's, it looks narrow here. But this is mainly from from um, um, from the. This is a foot that's been going through a dry season that's lasted for five months, so it's really also kind of dried up. So what happened after this? Uh, the next month we got some um, rainy period, and then it sort of softened and and it opened again. So it's 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 going through a change. Yeah. Okay, um, so um, did, somebody's asking, did you say that the sole sheds more in wet conditions or dry? No, I, what happens is that it, it looks like it, when it's dry that it sort of, it doesn't shed as often. Like we see here, it more like it becomes like, uh, certainly it just shed a lump because it's, it's been building up. And when we've got... Um, uh, when we got the, the wet weather, then it's more like um, along the way it will shed. So in other words, when it's dry and hard, it kind of just clumps onto the foot and yeah. gets a little thicker and finally falls yeah. off. But when it's wet, there's sort of more of a continual process of mm -hmm. shedding. That's what I've been, yeah, that's what I've been uh, observing. Um, and we've got we've got it all now here in, in Denmark. It really yeah, and, you know. Well, the weather has been kind of crazy here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not in control of it. Okay, <laughs> no, 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 we're not. Good thing that the hoof is adaptable. Yeah. Yes, very good. Yeah. Okay, 
So, so this is uh, this uh, is now we're getting a little bit into the distorted area where this this cutie pie here. She's uh, um, Shetland or Shetty. Um, she's had some um, some metabolic issues uh, and she also gained a lot of weight uh, and then she became lemonitic and what was interesting about her and she's alive and well today this uh, was that what we can see here is that this is the, the it's formed like a can her, her front foot here it's very um, tall and and in um, in the buttress here and this is actually and, and i know that because the owner um, decided to have her x-rayed that the vet commented that it's a good thing that the trimmer hasn't touched the sole because you could see on the x-rays that the sole in this foot was very thick so this form also has a sort of a function it's not just because it's distorted and then it goes like this it's actually because there is a minor um, rotation in here from the coffin bone from the the hoof wall and what the hoof has done is it's it's uh, grown extra sole so we got inside this hoof capsule there's extra sole a thick sole so that causes some of this to look so distorted as it does here so what happened just before the middle photo here is that the owner called me because as in out of the blue this foot simply shed like half an inch of sole in the heel area like that boom so just a week before this has all been filled out with solid sole and now it just boom went away and she called me and said oh this is uh, all now it's cracking and what's happening what's going on <laughs> and i looked at it and say oh it seems like she's ready to sh to let go of the extra sole she's been building to protect her coffin bone so this is what it looked like when when this this was uh, already halfway um, just simply um, cracking off so this is what it looked like from here to here when in just this area it came off so we can see there's a lowering and this is done from the the hoof capsule itself and of course what happens when this amount of of hoof wall is is uh, coming off uh, just like that is that we can see that the toe is scooted forward uh, it's it's already long here but it's also scooted forward when the hoof, oh, sorry, okay. uh, lowers the heel, the heels like that. Um, so, but the thing but is here that she- I, I just want to clarify when you say lower the heel, what you're really talking about is that the distance, the length of the heel is gotten yeah. shorter. Mm -hmm. Because it's lower, I mean, if we look at the picture on the left, the, the heel to me looks low, but it's the angle of that line that yes, line thank you. Yeah. in the second yeah. and the third picture. Okay. Yeah. So the angle here is steeper. Yep. And here we've got, but it's also, this is also longer. So right. it's a bit shorter and a bit steeper here. Yeah. Yep. That's the point. Thank you, Wendy. Yep, no problem. So, I know yeah. sometimes the trend, you know, trying to speak in a foreign language is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, though I learned this in English, but it's not what I what I do every day. So it's yeah. I'm sorry about that. It's okay. Uh, so we can see here the point is that that because this has become shorter and steeper, it's like this area has come off just like that, and it scoots the the toe just a little bit forward, and the toe area is what we are looking at here. So. But since this was a decision made by the by the foot, so we we went with that, and over time, so between here the the cent, uh, central photo and this one, um, that's not immediately after. I think we were a couple of months down the road. But this is what this this foot looked like looks like today, and has done ever since. So it's really um, it was able to to leave this this state and. So I think the takeaway here is that it's possible for horses to come back from uh, um, rotation of the coffin bone. Uh, and of course, this conscientious owner, she, she did a lot uh, in terms of management and feed and um, adjusted where adjustment was needed. But um, I think it's, it's, um, it's amazing to see what, what the feed can do. Um, and we're talking about in this mare, I think it was more than 20% in the rotation angle. Wow. So that's a lot. Yeah. Well, it's just fascinating because I, I, the, so far the takeaway for me is that the soul is much more dynamic than I realized. And mm -hmm. I'm looking at my horse's souls and I've seen them go through all kinds of changes and I haven't understood what they're doing. No. <laughs> No, and it's this, uh, and it's because it's it's it really is. We look at it and say, "Oh, this is a firm lump of something, and yeah. it's filling out something." But it's that's what's interesting to watch and see when uh, that it really is dynamic, as you're saying. So yeah. I'm I'm glad that that's transferred. So let's say goodbye to Rosa here. Um, so. Now we're getting into uh, the four principles and um, I want to begin this uh, with just a kind of a story. So when I say the hoof is our guide, what does that really mean? If we imagine that we are taking, um, the hoof is taking us for a drive. So the hoof is in the driver's seat and uh, it means that it's, um, it knows what it's doing concerning the speed and the direction and the length of our ride together. And when we come along, we want to support what is already going on. We, we want to think about this as there is a direction going on here and we want to support that. Um, we also want to in, enjoy a nice conversation with the driver and it's ending with the driver waving a happy goodbye and then we jump off the vehicle and the hoof continues its process. When we meet next time, we will know if our contributions were helpful uh, or supportive from the improvements the hoof has made. Um, and we have to remember that it's not a linear process. Mother Nature decides what is appropriate for this hoof and what particular path is um, relevant. Um, but if, on the other hand, if we join the ride with the intention to fix things because we, th we think we know the best, um, it equals trying to pull the brakes and take over the steering 
wheel at the same time and we are distance we are distant for a crash and the hoof will now be forced to spend growth on compensating for our need to do too much so that this really is um, we have to tread carefully when we look into what to to do with our horse's feet so and i think the part of the the hoof flows intentionally i think that's in line with if i understand what dr bauka has uh, talked about that it really is capable of sending growth in in the direction that it needs it and strengthen the areas that it needs to be strengthened so and what's fascinating is that it will teach you everything you need to know and how to support it best so let's look at what those four principles are we can see them here just in in sentences here the soul is our master guide and protection is key and short is sweet for toes and raise the cathedral so um again we want to we want our horses hooves to stay strong in the sweet spot so we have to again um, be willing to look into how we're feeding them how we're training them the management the hoof care everything has to work together and what really is the very very last part is the trim so <laughs> so that's uh, but i will talk a little bit about it here but we have to remember that that's not uh, it can be supportive, but it can also be di disruptive if we don't take care. Yeah. Okay. So. So here we have, uh, um, I think, do you call it a dirt plug? Yes. This, yeah. So here we have it. It's what's been inside the hoof and it's been shed. Um, and Principle number one is the soul is our master guide. So we want to become as smart as the ground. We remember from uh, the model I showed you with the feral horses that in, the, in nature, the ground does all the trimming. So that means that we basically, we only address the hoof from the bottom because that's where it meets the ground. Um, we also only want to do what we are invited to do um we want to um simulate what the ground is doing and we remember that the heel area is compressed and the toe describes an arch when before leaving the ground it describes an arch against the ground so it is uh, destined for abrasive wear um so we do not rasp cut or remove any part that the hoof needs so that's uh, that's concerning principle number one and that's because comfort is king so this is uh, this is a lovely mare that's been she we really shouldn't be able to look at this footage because she's been uh, she's been diagnosed with um, metabolic related laminitis and 12 degrees uh, of rotation and there was a cautious prognosis from the vet that within a year she would be able to move well and this is uh, six six weeks into her rehab wow. so, she, so she's uh, again we have a very conscientious owner she's adjusted diet hoof care body work supplements everything 
uh, during this process over a couple of months the the, the horse lost uh, i think uh, 160 pounds during three months and um, now she's uh, she's sound on soft footing um so she's she's not right there that but but the point here is that when i say comfort is king is that this is immediately after i've been looking at her feet and doing a minimal trim and i want to see a horse move away like that i don't want to see that she's been in any way disrupted or distorted from what i've done well, i i think you bring up a really good point because i can remember when the the four point trim came in and mm -hmm. there was a a lot of people trimming to the four point trim but not trimming to the horse and there were mm -hmm. a lot of sore horses um and mm -hmm. you know you can't explain to them look i'm going to make you sore because you're it's better for you um <laughs> you know horses don't <laughs> suffer pain well no. um, and so the the i think that this is a really important point um that it doesn't matter what we think the foot should look like if the horse can't walk afterward it's not right no and even when of course this is an ex i would call it kind of an extreme case because there is some distortion going on because of metabolic issues but again it's possible for horses to be comfortable even when they're healing from very severe diagnosis well and, okay. and the fact that this horse has already lost 150 pounds tells me she was very overweight and this was not due to this owner i have to say she she actually sort of <laughs> bought the problem ah. yeah yeah so okay so comfort is king and we want to look at the soul and we want to only address the hoof from the bottom and protection is key as well we do not trim the soul and we do not trim the frog and that's because it will compromise the strength and function so again um, the soul will shed and exfoliate uh, over time and some sometimes we will be able to with a hoof pick exfoliate just a little bit but we don't need knives for that and the frog when it's exfoliating sometimes it's developing some loose flaps and we can just just pull a little bit they will come off we we don't we don't need to do much but these structures are very important that they build from inside out and that we allow them to become as thick and as strong as possible so they don't need to be cut down in any case yeah okay so i couldn't help myself um avoid micromanagement and control uh, this is again the same foot um this is um on the right it's immediately before a trim has been done and it's not done by me and we can see that because this is what i call over trimming so frog heels and bars do not copy that's the end of it um and actually just what what really um almost caused my heart to break is that we can see on the right photo where the arrow is that this this foot is actually adjusting its medial lateral balance because we can see here that the hoof wall is uh, higher here above sole than over here we can just barely see it um, and that's because this horse has been shedding sole in this area so this 
heel area, heel quarter can come down. It will break off if when meeting the ground over time. So that's why this is absolutely not necessary. And it's it's harmful for the horse. All right, someone has a question. Is so what if the bars have grown grown higher than the sole? Yes, then there's a reason for that. It they offer they offer sorry and the reason is <laughs> well there can be many it um usually it's for it can be for extra uh, support something is going on inside uh, the hoof that um and, and maybe um i've seen it i'm just uh, i'm just going to look for an example i've seen it in horses that are changing where they want their heel area, if they're moving it either backwards or just a little bit forward, then we can see sort of sometimes even like a rim just around the frog. You can't see it in this foot, but just like as if the bars are coming all the way around the tip of the frog. And that will be, or they are maybe one is fatter or but the point is, if it's, if it's not something you can move with your fingers, then leave it. So it's, and it's not harmful. So is it possible that the bar looks higher because a piece of sole has fallen off? Yeah. And so then and you can see, you can actually see how this bar, if you, if you look at the, uh, oh, <laughs> if we look at this one, you can see that it's it's you can see that it's um, narrow it's brittle mm -hmm. so so because the sole has shed in this area so this will simply boom crack off when meeting the ground over the couple of next next week or next couple of weeks this will simply just leave the horse um, so this is um, so that's exactly why it may look uh, taller at times, but we can also see uh, bars that are um, wider or thicker, as if it's been, it's a, an area in the sole that's been strengthened. Do not touch. So, so it, it, mm, and everything that we see on the outside is responding, of course, to outside stimulus, but also to something, maybe something going on inside the, the hoof. So, um, yeah. is, it, is this the same horse? These yeah. two? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that was one question. And then, um, let's see. Um, so does, you know, when you have those, what appears like higher bars and a foot like this, is that going to affect the lateral medial balance of the horse? Well, not for long. Of course, there, there may be a reason that this, you see here the, the sole has shed and this has become higher above sole than in the other heel area here. So what happens is that this, you can see here, this becomes brittle. This is flaring out just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then um, if we don't come along and do anything, this was especially sorry especially this area because this is where there's some movement going on uh, during landing it will simply crack you, you can see there will this will crack off 
So the, this will not, if the question is, will this affect medial lateral balance? We have to remember that there's a lot of pounds above the, the hoof that's pressing down on this small area. So that's, um, so this, it's not like this will uh, lead to, to tension, not in this case, because it's tension in the horse, because this is so, uh, so brittle and this is in an area where the hoof is, has got some movement. Was this picture like taken during a dry or a wet period, do you know? Um, I, th uh, I believe this was taken uh, during a drier season, yeah. Um, let's see what other questions that I have here. I have two, but I'm going to ask. Um, how often would you trim a horse like this? Actually, I know this horse because I met her down the line. This is Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a cutie you met before, and that's why I was really. This is this is actually a photo that the 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 owner presented to me because she couldn't understand why. Um, when her horse has, has been, um, her feet has been done, then she was kind of sore for four weeks. And then when she was getting over, <laughs> so it was, well. So now we're getting into how often do we trim? Um, and this is a question I would rather not, not answer. <laughs> well, it's really dependent. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you have, there's so many factors you have to consider. And, yeah. you know, what I'm finding is that while while there are a really lot of good ideas you have to look at your environment you came back to your environment you know here in virginia we went from you know incredibly humid and soaking wet and then we had a period of really hot and dry and then we went back into eight inches of rain in august and so our climate you know and then it and now it's 70 degrees in november when it should be 50. so and it's raining <laughs> no, our climate is doing all kinds of things. And the only way I could solve my, my horse's feet was they stay in at night because mm -hmm. there was so much change. There was no time for the feet to just rest, if you will, to be in a dry environment where they could yes. rest. And that's, and that's a very good point here uh, as well, Wendy, that sometimes because we've had muddy season for five months in, in, in some, during some winter periods here in Denmark. And that's where, I have to advise owners somehow you have to have your horse on some dry footing at least for a couple of hours. Put them in a store, whatever you need to yeah. do. Because this have, will have, have to have paddock. We have a paddock with a shed for them, but it it wasn't enough enough. No, no. It really has to be something that ha that can that can soak out all of this right. this, this wet and it's so material. To, because I was about when I was talking to Nick Barker and I implemented several changes. I, I put up an electric fence, but I never took away any area that they could go to. I just made it that they had to move more and that the water was the most difficult yeah. to get to. Um, yeah. So I made them move more. We muzzled everybody. We, um, they, they came in at night. And at first they didn't want to come in at night. Now they're waiting at the gate. Can I come into my stall, please? I get my hay back. <laughs> you know, so they had adapted really quickly to the idea. But yeah. my point being, how often someone uh, trims a foot and, and exactly how you implement these things is so dependent on where you live and what your environment yeah. is. And what yeah. I'm finding really fascinating about this is like this discussion about, I've, my horse's foot is looked like this one on the right and I haven't understood it. 
because I didn't un understand soul shedding. And no. that is my huge takeaway from this webinar that I haven't gotten from other webinars is mm -hmm. just how much, like I've seen the flaky bits and I thought, what is that? And then I saw yeah. bumps and what is that? What is going on? Oh my God, he's losing his foot. <laughs> yeah, and now his feet are, um, you know, much more consistent. I've made, I've added magnesium. Um, I've made some other dietary changes. I've made movement changes and I've made uh, management, you know, many changes. And his feet are looking quite different from this, which is what I kept seeing all the time and didn't understand. Um, and it doesn't make one better or worse. It's just a question of education and experimentation and figuring out what's right for your horse in your environment. And that's really, um, you know, what it comes and then we're back to the frame, right? The frame yeah. of all these areas must come together. Yeah, and because someone's asking, you know, if I change my horse from shod to barefoot, you know, how, how, how long is it going to take and when's the best time? Well, the best time is when you're not working your horse. <laughs> yes, and what's very important in that, um, what I advise owners to do when they ask me that question is... Uh, one that we don't want to be moving into a period of um we call it frost <laughs> we've got we got hard hard um yeah hard ground but it can be still it can be done and then what you want to do is you want to ask a farrier not to touch just move as a move the shoes but don't touch anything don't just leave the foot as it is and that's sometimes I've had owners that they nearly got into a row because they asked their they asked their their farrier, do not touch anything, just take off the shoes. And he was like, what? Um, and that's because then your your horse's hoof will have something to adjust from. So that's one thing that will make them more comfortable in that transition immediately and leave it be for at least a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. But the best time is, actually I usually say, the horse's hooves knows how to do this. They know how to go into this process of healing themselves. So the best part is when the owner has some room for this and it's like, oh, it's fine. We're just hanging out or doing other stuff. So I'm not in, in a hurry for a specific training or a specific writing activity I want to do because I'm, I'm open to see what my horse is capable of doing. Surprise me. <laughs> well, and it, you know, it takes a little patience and it takes a little yeah. waiting and, and we mm -hmm. humans are not good at either of those. <laughs> mm. No, we can see that with just what's yes. happening in the world right now, you know? Um, so um, the, the, there was a question and I, and I misunderstood it, but the question with the laminated horse that you, mm -hmm. that, um, how often did you trim that horse during that phase of from laminitis to when she was able to move more freely? Yes, there is because she, as you can see, this was really, um, because the soul shedding happened so boom overnight. So it was really, and, and, well, you could you could let the ground take care of it, but it's a bit drastic. Um, so again, because the, it was already cracking off, then uh, I took this off, but only to sole level. But there is a period of time I found with laminitic horses that it's a nice thing to to uh, to just um, pay a visit every two weeks, 
which doesn't mean that I do anything with the rasp. So it's just checking in and that's the period uh, where the hoof is changing a lot. It's shedding a lot of soul. It's, and, and also because I've, I've been, um, I'm been cooperating, of course, with the vet that uh, that has advised on this process. Process, and when they saw this um, these X-rays, they commented, "It's a good thing. There's a lot of soul, but we can also see that the toe now is is long." And what I do is again, the the hoof is um, deciding how fast we can go. So I never trim to fix or do anything. I just look at it and say, okay, can we just take it a little bit today? Just a little bit. And that's helpful. That's for sure is helpful in a period uh, when they are recovering because so much is going on that we just attend to it. And I would say every two weeks, but as soon as possible, I'm making myself dispensable <clears throat> like this. Yep. Yeah. So I hope that answers the question. Yep. Okay. So let's uh, move on to the next principle. Hmm. Short is sweet for toes. And now we're getting into where the the culprit of many um, many imbalances we see in the hoof um, comes from, really, because the toe is always growing forward to meet the ground and to be able to meet the abrasion from the ground and um, usually um, because we are we are the ones who are supposed to manage this this uh, balance for the horse between management diet and movement and the hoof care so to get in the sweet spot that means that we we have to do it as little as possible but just enough that it's supportive and what does that mean when we look at this foot, we can see that the breakover point, um, it usually, it, it wants to be at the sole wall junction. Um, and this, uh, this is actually a, a foot that's been in its sweet spot for a while. So this is not neither newly trimmed or anything. It's just the way it is. And here we have the hoof wall. And here we have the edge of the sole. So the breakover point, which is helpful, will be just between the hoof ball and the, the edge of the sole. And for it to be there, um, of course, we can see that, we, that the hoof ball here is creating a slant that is from the abrasive wear, which is normal. And we can also see in this foot that um, we've got just a little bit of hoof wall above sole in the heel area, the heel quarters here. Yeah. And this is, uh, uh, this is to, uh, this is because the hoof needs to have all these structures to help uh, in, in the weight bearing process. So this is where it lands. This is uh, this. All these structures get the compression, and then the toe digs in and describes an arch, and this is where the wear is supposed to be. So if we've got if we've got a lot of hoof wall in this area, and I have actually, I think I will just move on because then I can show you here. 
on this uh, this foot we can see that this is this is the breakover point if there's no bevel okay so on the other foot here you can see that there was a slant on the hoof wall this is created by the hoof itself it depends what it's doing uh, but here we can see in this foot that there's no um, there's no bevel uh, yet so we have a breakover point out here and we can see from the side that the breakover point then will be here when there is a bevel and we're talking about a slight slant about 20 degrees then the breakover point will move from here to here okay so and the green line here shows because there's there is no bevel yet in this um, hind foot but when there is a slight slant it would look like this on the hoof form and we saw it here there will be a slant and then the breakover point will move from here oops sorry okay. to here yeah and from the side it you can see clearly see how this just this small slant is the difference between the breakover point being out here and the breakover point coming under where the new growth is actually setting the angle okay so that's why i call it the 20 degree bevel it's like a magic wand because it it mimics the action of the ground and it's it's so slight that it's almost not there but it makes all the difference so here we're talking about less is more yeah um I don't know. Are there any questions for this part? Uh, not, not about the bevel, but there are a couple of questions. Um, someone's asking if you can bevel to 45 degrees. Oh, that would be way too much. Okay. No need for that. Um, None of the feet I'm showing you here, including the lamagnetic ones, are beveled uh, more than 20 degrees. And then somebody else wants to know if you bevel all the way around or only at the toe. Usually, it's just I'm just going to move to the next slide because we need a sole shot for this. Um, just I'm going to address that question first, and then I'm going to talk about what we see here. Um, if we look at let's look at this uh, as a, a um, clock face then we're talking about this area mainly so it's from um kind of like 9, 9 to 30 to 2 30. yeah 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 um this up uh, again we're looking at this was the point with this with these photos is to show you how adaptable the the hoof really is and how it responds like that there are only four weeks between these two photos and it's the same hoof and the only reason again we are looking at um, laminitis here 
Um, and the only reason I bring this is because the change is so visible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here we have a case of a stretched uh, white line. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is the same area four weeks later. We can see there are still some blood, and that's of course because there are some inflammation still going on. Um, but we can also see here how the fact that this toe is is uh, stretched so much forward because of um, the laminitic issues. We can also see how it's it's it pulls everything else forward, including the heel area. Everything looks more forward and stretched. And here we we can see how this area has relaxed and the, the ankles are just simply more open. And that is from the toe. We can see here actually that the, the this is uh, the hoof that's clearly show us, this is where I need my breakover point to be. So this is what I'm working at. I'm, I've actually uh, strengthened this area so it's thicker. And this is uh, this distorted part that I'm gradually uh, getting rid of. And here we can see how much this has moved in and back just from four weeks. And nothing has been done to this foot except allowing this horse to be comfortable and move or not move the way she needed to. And then a 20 degree bevel. Yeah. So the hoof is very adaptable and, and it responds immediately to appropriate um, actions. Yeah. Yeah. So this, is, this was uh, um, the part with this bevel and I really cannot stress enough that there's no need to, to do a steeper one for any reason at all than the 20 degrees because less is more and because because the, we are we are talking about structures here that are very flexible very adjustable and the inner hoof fall is um, moist and elastic as well so it will it will respond when the the bevel is put on the hoof fall everything will begin to contract yeah yeah okay Right. Um, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Well, go ahead, because I think these questions don't fit right now. Okay. So this is uh, principle number four, the last one, raising the cathedral, I call it. And that's, um, that's about leaving the heels alone and they will come home. So there, there's been a lot of talk I know about where, where, the heels need to be, and actually we, I put this photo in here because we can see that the heel area is actually um, composed by several different parts. We've got, this is the bottom of the heel buttress. And here we got the seat of corn. So, uh, and when we're talking about the base of the frog, we are actually here. And this is the central sulcus. And here we've got mid frog. What do you mean by seed of corn? This area. This is actually, you can see, this is the, you could call it the, it's um, in the sole area. 
So it's, this is the bar, right? But why is it called corn? I don't know that. It <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't invent it. <laughs> okay, but you may call it whatever you need. So. Okay, it's, I, mean, I get that it's where the bar, you know, the wall turns into a bar, but I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, we are, I think I need to go back a few slides just to show you what, again what it looks like from the side, right? I, oh, I have another one here coming up. So, but anyway, this area is sort of uh, the bottom of the sole, you may see, or the, the two points of the sole here. And I have yet to see a hoof that doesn't position its seed of corns mid-frog. So be careful when someone says, well, the heels needs to be at the base of the frog. Mm -hmm -hmm. Well, what part are we talking about? Suddenly not the seed of corn. So, and we can see here that the end of the bottom of the heel buttress, that's, mm, well, if, we, if you call this red line the base of the frog, then, well, the, the end of it is near the base of the frog. But the point here is that this area will position itself perfectly when we've got a balanced toe area as well, because this mm -hmm, is connected to this through the hoof capsule. And the inner hoof wall is elastic that's the yellow part here actually uh, that's very elastic so when the foot either because it makes it itself or we come along and do a slight bevel then this will sort of click into its right place it will find its sweet spot so what's what's underneath the seat of corn i'm trying to figure out what that is in relation to the internal structures. Yes. I didn't bring that photo. I have one. Um, but I, and I, don't, I don't think I can just find it right now. Okay. But, we, but what we have, there is, there is actually, um, I have an internal photo of this area as well. And what we need to understand is that if we go below the sole, surface here we are damaging the foot because we are going into an area and we are we are we are compromising an area where we've got an internal structure here that needs to have its room just beneath this area so so yeah so that's the closest i can come to this right now right and so, because somebody's asking what's the function of the seed of corn well it's i don't know if we can talk about a function well this this is actually this whole part of the foot works together as a giant hinge so we have to sort of imagine that when this uh, hoof lands on the ground this and this will move apart 
So this is, and this is sort of, that's why this frog, even though it's, uh, it has to be a little bit firm, it's elastic because it has to allow the hinge to move just a little bit. So give in. So this is the structure that's made for, for, um, for that movement that happens when the, the, the foot meets the ground. And then this part of the hoof capsule widens just a little bit. And then the top part narrows just a little bit. So it goes like this and this up here, it sort of narrows. So this is a hinge. So it's more like we can't say this has got this specific function. It's part of this construction that's a giant hinge sure. in the foot. Okay. And yeah. So this is just to address, and when we're talking about this principle number four, there's no need to go below sole level. And I want to show you what most feet, where most feet want um, the hoof wall in this area. And this is again, the seed of corn. So we can see this is seen from the side. This is a photo that's taking sole level from the side. So we are looking into this area from the side. Okay, and this is the seed of corn, and this is the frog. And here we can see that the um, uh, hoof for the height above sole here, that's about a quarter of an inch. And this will depend on the horse, and it will depend if it's a front um, foot or it's a hind foot. But we can be absolutely sure that the horse will decide which height it needs here. We can just look at it and know it. So this is, this, is, um, this is really an area I think that's very much misunderstood because there's no way we can move the heels back by addressing this area with the rasp. The only way to allow the heels to move into the sweet spot where they support the horse is by addressing the area that is made for abrasion and only slightly with the slight slant. Yeah. And I've seen it during the past six years work wonders for many, many different kinds of horses and different kinds of hooves. It's amazing. Yeah. Do we have any questions for that, Wendy, perhaps? Not, not for that specifically, um, but someone's asking if you have a picture of a contracted heel. Ah, I don't know if I brought one here. But you've had some contracted heels in some of the yes. previous pictures. Yes, <laughs> yes, we did. Because I'm just looking at my slides here. You can see that one. Mm. We can take a look at the one, the one where I showed you the frog that was actually contracted. The frog before and after that would be yep. what I call a contracted heel as well. But I've seen, but I don't know what the question is about. Is that if, they just want to see a visual of a contracted heel? They're trying to figure out what it looks like. Oh, okay. But I don't. I don't think I have. I have. Uh, I haven't got one for this one. But it's, 
Well, a contracted heel that's usually connected to to a frog infection. So we've got we will have a very deep or narrow uh, central sulcus in the frog. Here, this one is actually it's not deeper than the one we can than what we can see here, uh, but it's not a very very big foot. But contracted, we can also see that from the angles of the bars. Uh, usually, the bars will also, if the if the we call it if the toe is forward, the bars will also extend themselves. They can sometimes end up here, and that's not because of distortion in the bars, but because the toe or the hoof capsule is pulling everything forward. Yeah, no, she's she's asking because she's not sure of the difference between a contracted heel or a shoe that's too small but i'm not sure that you can answer that question without pictures of no so i'm not sure we can really answer that question no we need to then i would need to look at a photo yep but yep. you do have a picture if you just go back a few you did have a picture of a very narrow heel versus a widened right there even that one is is narrow versus wide um, Which one? This one? This one? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the width of the heel, you can see how much more yes. it's widened out on the right picture. Exactly. So this these uh, compares to these lines over here. So the red lines here compares to these. So we can see that this is a much more open angled. Yeah. And in a lot of horses with contracted heels, the, the heel bulbs themselves will look shriveled. Yes. They won't look... Plump. And they will actually protrude. They would... In this horse, it's... Well, we can see there's sort of a bubble, but in some horses it will go like this, boom, boom. Yeah. It would be very narrow, right? Yep. Oh, so that's, but again, we have to look at the, <laughs> just like we have to address the whole horse, we have to look at the whole picture here. So, so there's no way, we have to look at how do the different parts of the foot relate to the other parts in terms of seeing, does this look, balanced sound is it working for the horse mm. so it's uh, there's a lot of signs to look for right. yeah okay so this is this was the the part where where um, in most feet just a little bit of uh, wall height here is um, is what the foot wants and usually that will be just a little bit lower in the hind feet and that's going to vary depending on terrain because horses yeah. in really sandy ground are going to have a very different heel height. Like feral horses, they've seen that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very different heel what, height. Exactly. And it also depends on mileage. If we've got, and, and usually many of the feral feet we look at, um, we're talking about horses that are covering a lot of mileage. So that will make for a very compact uh, hoof. So everything is just like this but it still positioned itself like it and they won't have much um, height above sole in this area but it doesn't mean that we have to copy that we have to allow the hoof to decide what it's need what is needed okay so i'm actually ready to sum it all up <laughs> so we we need to have we need to have minerals of course mineral balance is very crucial we need to have movement because that's what the horses are made for. We need to check the metabolism. And then I'm talking about 
insulin resistance or other issues that might um, influence the health of the hooves and the horse itself. And we need to have minimal trims. We really are talking about doing like this as soon as possible. I think actually uh, Nick Barker said it well when she said, well, if you're putting in a trim every four weeks, then you have to keep putting in a trim every four weeks because that's in the, um, the hoof will grow to meet um, also what we are taking away with our rasp. So we really need to look at, is this needed or wanted? And then just leave it be. And then manage frog health. That's a huge issue in many areas. Depending on the ground, we've got different bacteria going on in different areas and they can be tough on the frog as well. And then master a 20 degree bell at the toe and then you're good to go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's a lot more to that slide than just manage this, manage that though. <laughs> I mean, I know that when you put it into practice, you know, manage metabolism and minerals and, and yeah. those are not easy. No, um, and I didn't say that. I didn't say this is just easy. No, no, no. I know you didn't say that, but I'm just looking at that slide going, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> no. mm -hmm. Oh, I wish, I wish. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, you know, we need to have some ideas, like simple ideas to realize. Um, I always tell people it's simple, but not necessarily easy. Mm -hmm. Some of these. Exactly. Yep. Um, we do have two questions. They're a little bit kind of outside the box here. One is, um, what about a horse with a su suspensory desmitis? It's shot at the moment and can horses cope going barefoot after a trauma like this? The vet and the farrier seem say leaving shoes for support, but thinking it maybe carefully over time to go barefoot. Well, that's, that's a tough question to answer, not knowing the horse, not knowing the, the exact um, development of all of this. Um, because, because, again, if the, if the hoof is not sound, if it's been shot for many years and there's been some issues with the hoof as well, um, then it's a, it's a tough one for the horse to recover that as well because to support the leg and the horse we need to have good shock absorption and that ha that doesn't happen overnight but that's not the same as saying it, it couldn't be done it, it, it's a it's that's one where a team looking at an individual it's really hard to to say hmm. without because because what i know is that while those are some data points there's a lot more data points you need to gather to figure it out hmm. Yeah. You do. The other question is, um, I work at a horse rescue where unfortunately several horses have come in with elf toes. They've actually turned up six to eight inches and the vet is x-rayed and then taken a sawzall um, all back to where he thought it should go. There were really no, no immediate apparent change in movement as the sole and the inner foot was so distorted. Uh, so, you know, and again, this is a really difficult question, I think, because unless you actually see what those feet look like, it's hard, you know, you I think the answer for me actually is the comfort of the horse. Is the horse more comfortable after you did that? Mm -hmm. um, and, exactly, and that, would be, that would be the, the signs to look for. Yeah, and- um, We have to have that, we have to have comfort. What can you do to make him more comfortable during that transition period? Oh, I'm sorry, again? I said if he's not comfortable after you've done that, because there's a certain amount of, yeah. you gotta do something with the foot to, to, to at least have the horse be able to walk. 
right? That's yeah. where it's like movement. If the feet are so bad, the horse can't move. You've got to do something to get the horse so it can move. And then yes. you can manage that either with boots or, you know, some kind of support or nice comfy stalls. Um, 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 you know, to, to, it's really an, again, a case by case, depending on, because if these other things aren't in place, you might do that. And the horse might be really sorry. You might do that. And you might be fine. Yeah. Really hard to say. Uh, so it, it, again, we were looking at the different factors, uh, diet, movement management, frog health, um, to, to, uh, to support the horse in being sound and comfortable as well. But I'm telling you, it's possible, and it's also possible where you you thought it shouldn't be, but it is. Yep. It is possible to find the sweet spot. Yeah, you just have to keep looking <laughs> <laughs> and keep adjusting. <laughs> well, Tina, this has been a fascinating webinar, and again, my biggest take home is understanding that soul because <laughs> it's something that nobody else has really talked about, and especially. Um, how much the soul can change and so that's going to be that's uh, for me i mean there's a lot of other take homes in here but yes, that's one that, yeah. that been really um really great to add to the body of knowledge and i think that's something that a lot of people probably don't realize is just how much the horse sheds his soul and what it looks like and what we think it should look like <laughs> exactly and that that it's not a sign of dis distortion it's just it's a natural process usually yeah yeah that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank for you very much. This has been such a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Um, we don't have a webinar tomorrow because I, I, I'm supposed to be traveling. That's still up for debate. <laughs> um, Congratulations. That's, I know, that's well, I think Constantly, I was supposed to be going down to Texas for a Surefoot workshop this month, but unfortunately, I just got news today that we are not going to be able to hold that because of a COVID outbreak. So um, we're going to reschedule for okay. I'm spring. Sorry um, so it's a moving target, and we just all, you know, that's the beauty of the webinars is we can all stay together in this process. We and can, and it's and it's safe. And thank you so much for. And we don't have to wear a mask me. when we're on our laptops. It's really nice. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh. And just remember, you can find this and all the other webinars on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. We'll get this one up uh, probably by tomorrow morning. Um, so if That's you great. thank you. And um, thank you so much, Tony. This was just fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so Bye much everybody. for having me. Bye Have for now. Day. Bye. Bye.